Coming off the World Series appearance with a whole lot of money to spend, are the D-backs now a top tier free agent destination and why Yamamoto could be the missing ingredient to what the D-backs are cooking up. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked on Dimebacks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. Visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to get started. I'm the host of this podcast, Miller Thomas. I've been hosting this podcast in 2020, and now the D-backs are on the precipice of one of the biggest off-seasons in their franchise history, and we'll be talking a whole lot about a couple teams I think could be a perfect trade partner with the D-backs, why Yamamoto could be a perfect fit, but we'll, of course, start off by talking about the D-backs and if they are now considered a top-tier free agent destination. But before we get there, just want to say thank you for making Locked on Diamondbacks your first listen every day. I would not be able to do this podcast without you, my loyal listeners, sharing, subscribing, reviewing, doing all that so I could do this podcast for you. Thank you. It's free and available on all platforms. So please continue to tell your friends. Hit subscribe to Locked on Diamondbacks on YouTube. And please go check out my website, millertoms24.myportfolio.com to see all of my latest work. But now let's get into the podcast and let's talk about the D-backs and if they are now considered a top tier free agent destination, it might be crazy to say or even consider the D-backs actually being a place where free agents want to go to. But why wouldn't free agents want to come to sunny, beautiful Arizona, right? This D-backs team is coming off a World Series appearance, and they got a whole lot of money to spend. I think this is the perfect time in the D-backs franchise to go out there and sell themselves to free agents, go out there, get aggressive on the trade market, build this team up and go out there and try and compete. And I think the D-backs, for the first time in a long time, Free agents might actually look at this team as a place that they want to come to, a place they want to build their career, and a place that they want to win. This D-backs team has so many positive factors that I think would be appealing to free agents. The first one, the D-backs have a young core and they have a lot of pieces locked up for the foreseeable or at least near-term future. You think of Corbin Carroll, right? He's locked up until like 2030, right? The best years, the prime years of Corbin Carroll, all of it's going to be paid for, paid for. All of it's already locked up by the Arizona Dimebacks. Gabriel Moreno, he's arbitration eligible. He's not going anywhere. Walker, he's still at least got a couple more years left. Then we'll discuss his future, but at least for two more years, he's locked in. Marte's locked up for at least a couple more seasons, at least three more years, I think he's locked up. Perdomo's young, ARB eligible. Alec Thomas, ARB eligible. You look at the rotation, fought ARB eligible. Gallon's going to be here for a couple more years. 
Kelly's under contract for at least two, three more seasons. So it's like most of the D-backs young core, most of their best players on this team, you know is going to be here at least for two Maybe three more years. So if you're a free agent, you're like, at the very least, if I sign a five-year deal, the first half, the first two to three years of that deal, I know it's going to be the core that's already there in Arizona, the core that already went to a World Series. I'm not too worried about those pieces leaving in the immediate future. So if you're a free agent, I think that's very appealing to you. How about the stadium? I don't know how free agents feel about Chase Field, but I know when I first came to Arizona, when I first started going to D-backs games, I was like, ah, I don't know if I'm a huge fan of Chase Field. I don't know if it was at the top of my rankings when I think of all the ballparks I've been to. But after being out here for a couple of years, I mean, I've been out here since 2016, so a lot longer than a couple of years. But after going to D-backs teams for a few seasons now, I'm kind of in on Chase Field. I think it's really grown on me. Yeah, could it be upgraded a little bit? Could we do a little bit of that footprint center renovation? Maybe upgrade those concourses a little bit. Maybe upgrade those bathrooms a little bit. Get a little bit more technologically advanced in Chase Field. Sure. I think the fact that it's a stadium in Arizona, I love the roof. I love that option. I don't think it really takes away too much from the ballpark experience. Plus, you can still open up the panels and get the AC going. To be honest, I think most base, I think all stadiums in America, no matter the sport, should have a retractable roof. If it's nice, open up that thing. If it's cold, windy, rainy, snowy, or just super hot like it's in Arizona, I think the retractable roof makes so much sense. And I think it's really grown on me. So do like Chase Field, and maybe that could be appealing to free agents. One of the biggest media markets as well, Arizona, quietly, Phoenix, one of the bigger media markets in the United States. Great for players to make money off the field, a lot of opportunity, not too far from the West Coast and California, not far from Vegas and other opportunities around the country. All that is super close to get to. So I think for the off the field ramifications for these players in terms of trying to make money. I think that's very appealing as well. And the cost of living in Arizona, uh, we're getting a little bit more expensive with inflation. I know when I first moved out here, I was like, oh my God, it's dirt cheap to live in Arizona. Now I'm like, mm, we're getting pretty close to Cali prices, but we're still not New York. We're still not Los Angeles yet. So Arizona is still affordable. So when I think of all the factors of coming to the D-backs, I think the D-backs are definitely a top 10 free agent destination right now. And this topic, this segment was kind of spurred by an article I saw on Bleach Report where they were ranking the top free agent destinations. They actually had the D-backs ranked number nine, which I think was, I think that was reasonable because at number nine was the D-backs and number eight was the Baltimore Orioles, who I think we consider like the American League counterpart of the D-backs, right? The Orioles are a team that has a great fan base, they have a young core, money to, money to spend, and they're ahead of schedule, just like the D-backs. And uh, another thing that's kind of a not-so-fun fact about the Orioles, 
We know the D-backs have made the playoffs seven times in their franchise history since being, you know, concepted as a team. The Orioles have only made it four times since the D-backs have been brought into Major League Baseball. So if the Orioles are a number eight free agent destination with only four playoff appearances since 1998, I think the D-backs are definitely a top 10 free agent destination as well. And if you're an elite free agent... You have a chance to come to Arizona and help build a culture. The D-backs are still trying to build a culture right now. They don't exactly have that established. I think we saw a lot of great stuff from this D-backs core that gives you a little inkling that what we're building here is positive, what we're building here is correct. But I wouldn't exactly say we're the Miami Heat, right? We're not exactly the... LA Dodgers, or I don't even know which Major League Baseball team you would say has the best culture right now, but I wouldn't say the D-backs are at the top of that list, but I think we're sl- I think we're slowly climbing up those ranks, and if you're an elite free agent, you really have a chance to have a voice as a leader in this locker room, which I think, again, could just be really appealing. You have a chance to be a part of a team that can be in the mix for a long time moving forward. There's no reason the D-backs can't go out there and get the players they want. If the D-backs offer serious, competitive offers and they don't lowball these free agents, then they can definitely get and sign essentially whatever player they want. Because again, I believe in Major League Baseball, at the end of the day, most players just care about the bag. Yes, if all the money is equal and it's Cleveland offering you money versus San Diego or LA, yeah, then you might take into you know your living situation to in, into account. But if the Dodgers are offering two hundred million and the Guardians are offering three hundred million, then I think the player in the at the end of the day would go to the team that's offering more money, even if it's in. Cleveland as opposed to LA I think the D-backs have a chance to go out there and get the players they want after coming off that World Series appearance with money to spend go out there and offer competitive contracts I think you could get the players you want we've seen the D-backs do it before we saw them win the Zach Greinke sweepstakes how did they do that they overpaid for him even Madison Bumgarner they were able to win that and I thought at the time that was a reasonable deal. I didn't think they I didn't think they overpaid for Mad Bum at the time. So we've seen the D-backs go out there and win bidding wars before. And they were doing that not when they were coming off a World Series appearance. Like this D-backs team is in a better position than ever to sell the franchise to these free agents. And one free agent I would like them to go out there and get is a Yamamoto. And we'll talk about why he's a perfect fit for the D-backs in segment number two. But before we get there, I first need to talk to you guys about FanDuel because score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. My favorite thing to do is the same game parlay. The Lakers are playing Sunday night, and best believe I got my parlay in. LeBron over on points. AD over on rebounds. Actually, 
recently I haven't been doing AD over on rebounds. You do LeBron over on points. You do D'Lo over on threes with the Lakers money line. That one has hit, I think, the last couple times. So go do that. Go visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Welcome back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast. If you like the content, please follow me on Twitter at careertimes24 for the personal account or look up Locked on Diamondbacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. And don't forget, Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Lockdown Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. Now let's get back into the Lockdown Diamondbacks podcast. Let's talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto and why he would be a perfect fit for this D-backs team because I'm not going to lie to you guys. Yamamoto is number one on my list for free agent targets for the D-backs this offseason. He's the type of player that could put the D-backs over the top next season. And not just for next season, but he is the kind of player that could make the D-backs a World Series contender for the next few seasons. Build that sustainable winner that we talk about. He could be one of the missing pieces. He could be one of those pieces to add to this young core Going forward, I think Yamamoto could be a key ingredient and could be the thing that puts the D-backs over the top for next year and the next few years after that. The only question I have when it comes to Yamamoto, it's not the talent. It's mostly just the price tag. How much would it be for the D-backs to go get him? And should the D-backs go all in on a Yamamoto? I say Yes, I think it's a resounding yes. I think the D-backs need to do everything to go out there and get Yamamoto. And to be honest, I wouldn't even be upset if the D-backs gave Yamamoto that Zach Greinke deal. If they were like, here is six, seven years, 200 plus million dollars, I would not be upset if the D-backs did that. I actually think that would be smart business by Mike Hazen and this front office to go out there and do that because guys Yamamoto he is only 25 years of age this is someone who is in the prime of his career and looks absolutely dominant right now in the Japan League the numbers that he puts up are just absolutely insane and he just fits perfectly with this D-backs timeline as it currently stands, when you think of Carroll, Moreno, Alec Thomas, Yamamoto, Perdomo, Fott, those are all guys in their mid-20s. Kevin Ginkle, those are all guys in their early to mid-20s that would just be here with the D-backs for the foreseeable future that the D-backs could just build around even if you believe in the Tommy Henry's and the Dre Jamison's of the world like those are all quality major leaguers who are in the prime of their career Zach Gallen 
Ketel Marte, late 20s. I think Ketel Marte is about to turn about to turn 30, but both of those guys, late 20s, maybe on the precipice of the early 30s, but still in the prime of their career. This team is so young at so many different positions, or at least players that are in are that are in the smack dab prime of their career. The D-backs don't really have too many old aging veterans at power positions, right? When you think about this D-backs team, it's pretty top-heavy with young talent. Yes, Merrill Kelly and Christian Walker might be the vets on this team, but it's not like they're 38 on their way out and the D-backs are desperately needing those guys to continue to produce at a high level for this thing to continue to work, right? It's not like the Giants a couple years ago were Brandon Crawford and Brandon Bell, it felt like all those guys were on their last legs having career seasons. No, this D-backs team, a lot of their best talent, they're all young. And even their older talent, Merrill Kelly's like 33, 34 years old, but he's barely pitched in Major League Baseball. He feels a lot younger than that. Christian Walker, another guy, he's in his early 30s, but he's barely played on the major league level in terms of most dudes who are 32 years old uh, in major league baseball. This guy does not have a ton of innings under his belt for most 32 year olds in major league baseball. So I think most of this team is young and I think Yamamoto would fit perfectly in terms of the D-backs timeline. And if a guy like Jordan Lawler because he's the guy that I feel like we're not really expecting too much from next year but that guy hits next season or at least the year after that maybe the second half of next year that guy goes to another level and hits his development a lot earlier than we expected to that just makes the ceiling of this whole thing jump to another level so Lawler major swing piece for next year and outside of Yamamoto's age he's of course super talented as well he has an ERA over the last seven years in Japan of 1.8 Eight two a sub two ERA over the last seven seasons, and this past year, twenty six almost twenty seven percent strikeout rate to just four point four percent walk rate. This dude is a K machine with elite command and does not does not nonsensically put runners on. That was probably way too much jargon to try to say there, but this guy does not carelessly walk dudes which I think is really important in today's game if he turns out to be better than a Kodai Senga or a Tanaka from the Yankees like people project him to be like Yamamoto is projected to be better than a Senga who's going to who did just get a bunch of Cy Young votes better than a Tanaka who put up elite numbers before coming to the Yankees and was dominant those first few seasons People think Yamamoto could be better than that. If that's true, that is a 25-year-old ace you're adding to your team for the next few years. And think about what your rotation would be. Gallon, Yamamoto, Kelly, and Fott. And maybe Yamamoto is good enough to even be the number one. Who knows? Like, that's how good this guy could be. Even if he's your number two. Then you have like Kelly as your number three. And then all of a sudden, instead of a bullpen game, you got Brandon Fott as your number four. That has the potential to be the best one through four rotation in all of Major League Baseball. Now, it won't be easy getting Yamamoto because every big market team is going to go out there and try to sign him. But that just means the D-backs are going to have to go Zach Granke mode to sign him. And I'm perfectly fine with that. 
pony up the money, pony up the years. I don't like overpaying pitchers in their 30s on long-term big money contracts, but I definitely don't mind paying 25-year-olds long-term big money contracts. Like I did not mind giving Corbin Carroll a fat deal because he was young. He was 22 years of age. Yamamoto is 25. So if you gave him seven years, 215, where the deal ends when he's like 32 years of age and could still be an elite pitcher, like I would not be mad at that. I don't mind fat, lucrative deals when it's paying for the best prime years of a player. And the D-backs, I think they should go out there and consider giving Yamamoto a fat, lucrative contract. He's the number one target for me this offseason, and I think he would be a huge needle mover for the D-backs, not just for next year, but for all the years moving forward that he's under contract. Now, we'll talk about two teams that I think could be a perfect trade partner for the Arizona Diamondbacks, but first... forget locked on has launched the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel on youtube locked on sports today is here for you 24 7 covering the top sports stories of the day with the local experts of locked on plus our national shows covering every league go to locked on sports today on youtube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24 7 streaming channel i kind of flustered my words there at the end just a little bit but let's get back to the podcast and let's talk about two teams i think could be a perfect trade partner for the arizona diamondbacks this offseason one team is the miami marlins the other team is the chicago white Sox. i think hazen needs to get on a call with Both of the GMs for those two franchises, not even quite sure off the top of my head who the GM is right now for the Marlins after they let Kim go, which I'm always talking about. I'm always going to be upset about. Not even sure who the White Sox GM is. I don't think that really matters, um, to be honest. I don't really care who the GMs are of other teams. I just know the GM of our team, Mike Hazen, needs to get on a call with the Marlins and the White Sox this summer. The Marlins have a loaded rotation, and the D-backs still have a lot of extra outfielders and extra position players that I think we could potentially move to the Marlins. And to be honest, I think we could do another little one-for-one swap like the D-backs did with the Marlins a few years ago when we traded Jazz Chisholm for Zach Allen. I think there could be an, uh, I think there could be another potential one-for-one swap with the Marlins. The Marlins are currently in a position where they're not they're not a rebuild anymore. This Marlins team wants to build. They just made it to the playoffs this past season. They got a nice young core. They got some nice pieces in their lineup. Like this is a team that wants to continue to add to the mix that they already have. They're not trying to subtract. That's why I think a one for one swap would make sense because they would. I don't think they would mind trading away from a position of strength. 
to trade for a piece that would help a position of need. I think the Marlins are in a place where they're trying to add assets and not move off of assets for younger pieces that would help them down the line. I think this Marlins team wants to win right now, and I think the D-backs could help them do that. Now, the Chicago White Sox, they are not in the same position as the Marlins. The Marlins, when you look at their arrow, if you were to put both of these teams on a graph, the Marlins arrow, it's doing this thing where it's like moving and going upward while the White Sox arrow is moving and going downward because the White Sox organization is in complete disarray right now, just terrible vibes surrounding Chicago. If I were the GM of Chicago right now, I would strip it down and I would just start it over. I think both of those teams, the Marlins and the White Sox, have pieces that the D-backs could use. And I think the D-backs have pieces that could be in handy for both of those teams. When I look at the Marlins, I think they just have way too many guys in their rotation. And I think they could be, I think it would be in their best interest to potentially move off one of those pieces. I think the D-backs could help them out. And also just from like an outside observer, I think the Marlins should put Jazz back in the infield because when I see Jazz in center field, it just reminds me of a lot of what the D-backs were trying to do with Ketel Marte. I think Jazz can play center field, just like I think Marte can play center field as well. But I think both of those guys' natural positions is in the infield. And I think the injury risk is just too high in the center field. Ketel Marte just constantly ran into walls and just took... I just thought it was too dangerous for Keto Marte in center field. I think the same for Jazz Chisholm. I think he has a better chance of being healthy long-term if you move him into the infield. And that's where I think the D-backs could step in. Step in. I think doing a little Alec Thomas for Edward Cabrera swap or another one of those young pieces could really help out both teams. The Marlins get a young elite defensive center fielder that would allow Jazz to go back to shortstop. And then if you look at your rotation, you would still potentially have Alcantara, Braxton Garrett, Yuri Perez, Jesus Lazardo. Like you still have four elite youngsters with Alcantara leading it as the veteran of that rotation. Like four guys you feel great about in your rotation still. And then Cabrera is probably their least favorite just because he walks a ton of people, but he still has major upside. He would be the number three or the number four on this D-backs team, and he wouldn't have to come in and immediately be elite, even though I do think he has frontline upside. We would just need him to pitch like a mid-rotation guy. And I think down the line, he could pitch like a front-line starter, especially when you get him in with the Brent Strom. Get Strom with Cabrera, and let's see what could happen. He's 25 as well, so I feel so good about him in terms of the timeline on this team. Like with Kelly getting older, Fott and Cabrera being the pillars of your team going forward would make me feel really good about this D-backs rotation and the future of this D-backs rotation. And then the White Sox... Their team, I think, has a bunch of pieces that just need a change of scenery. If the D-backs could get a Dylan Cease, they could get Dylan Cease without having to give up Jordan Lawler, Drew Jones, or Brandon Fott. I think you have to do it. And he's arbitration eligible for a couple more years, which I think is pretty nice, too, when thinking about whether or not to trade for him. 
I think Cease is still elite, but I think he's coming off a really weird situation and season. And I think he could be the perfect buy low candidate that could produce results like a top five pitcher in baseball. So I would absolutely love Cease on this team. Like imagine a rotation of Cease, Gallon, and Kelly. And if you kept Brandon Fott, nasty. The other guy that I would be interested in off the Chicago White Sox is Eloy Jimenez, who we've talked about a little bit, just like a Dylan Cease. I would be interested in him. The only thing is, I wouldn't want to break the bank or anything for Eloy Jimenez. He's owed in the teens in terms of millions of do- in terms of millions of dollars over the next couple of years, like twelve to fifteen over the next couple of years annually. Plus, he's a guy who always gets hurt. But when he's healthy, I think he's the kind of bat that the D-backs need in their lineup. Power bat, I love the way he... I just think he's a really good offensive player when he's healthy. But he can't play in the outfield defensively anymore. And he gets hurt a lot. If you acquired uh, Eloy Jimenez, you just can't put a lot of faith in him. He would be a roll of the dice. He would be a gamble. But I think he's the kind of gamble that it's worth taking for the Arizona Diamondbacks the one guy who I would really love for the D-backs which I don't which I don't think it would be very possible from the White Sox a Luis Robert he's kind of the dream but I don't think the White Sox are trading him and if they do consider trading him I think it would I think the tag would cost way too much to acquire him so I don't think it would happen so Marlins and White Sox are definitely two teams that I'm eyeing this offseason now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage and insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.